Welcome to the CTG Nation podcast, episode number 10. Today we're going to be, since we're on episode 10, I'm going to kind of go over, me and Bobby are going to kind of go over um, kind of the progress of the podcast. We'll get into some of the different things we've been doing, people we've been reaching out to, how it's been helping the company grow. Um, And then we've kind of accumulated some questions kind of from some of our non-law enforcement friends and um, you know, just some stuff from the interwebs that people have asked us to kind of address and talk about. So it's kind of an overview and question type episode. First off, as always, make sure to like, share, review, and subscribe. Everything CTG across all platforms, that's really what helps us grow the most. And that was very evident um, in our last episode with uh, Valkyrie Tactical Solutions that just absolutely blew up compared to everything else so far. Um, before we get to that, make sure to check out our Shopify uh, store. Also, we got two hats left. Um, some of those we kind of give away just as we you know, meet some people, reach out to people, go to different classes, you know, meet uh, different officers and firefighters and stuff with Valkyrie like we did this weekend. Um, and look out for some new designs dropping. Me and Bobby were just talking about that before before I hit the play button. And as always, um, you know, give us feedback on, you know, kind of the, the material we've covered so far, what you'd want us to cover, if there's anybody out there you would like for us to sit down with, or, you know, maybe we didn't explain stuff too good or I don't know stuff you want us to dig into a little deeper um, so that last episode with Valkyrie went pretty big we had some uh, some kind of famous semi-famous people we know kind of share some of our stuff we're not going to name drop because we're not about that you know if they like our stuff they're going to share it. if they don't they're not um, so just a little bit of some of the stats on that um, and if you're following any of our stuff on Instagram and Facebook, you'll see see all the stuff that, that I share almost on a daily basis. Um, had over 40 listens in 24 hours. Um, I think like the fastest growing one before that was only like maybe 20, 21 plays in uh, you know in less than 24 hours. Then we had a all time high for one day with 37 plays and that's you know just across all of all of the episodes um got some new listeners in germany and puerto rico um i'm sure that's some some people we know that are probably just kind of stationed abroad um with kind of viewership and listenership still our number one platform is Spotify. Number two is coming in with uh, Apple Podcast. And then after that, it's just a bunch of other little platforms that are out there. Kind of a little breakdown with age groups. Um, 37% of our listeners are 23 to 27. 59% is 28 to 34. And then everything else is everybody over 34. Um most of the listeners are male shocker um it's 88 percent um but push push this to some of the female first responders you know or service members 
and you know keep get, get this a little bit more diverse 88 percent is a little high to me um you know and we'll get some some female service members we know and, and and first responders and get their different perspectives on things um maybe we'll get a little bit more diversification in there going down the road um along with that last episode we kind of hit a, a benchmark for us on Instagram with finally hitting 800 uh, followers on the IG. We were sitting on, we were sitting in the high 700s for ever, forever. And <clears throat> you know why it was stuck at that number? We can speculate <laughs> with kind of you know who we are and what we stand for, and somehow sometimes we get. Uh, Let's just say censored. Um, and then on Facebook, just to get those Facebook numbers out there, uh, 473 likes with 489 follows. I don't know how that discrepancy is made on Facebook, and it doesn't really matter to me anyway. But IG's our biggest and always has been. Um, and then hopefully the, the podcast will just explode past both of those um, pretty quickly. So that gets us caught up with how the podcast is growing and I mean only 10 episodes in um I mean it's exciting and we've gotten feedback from from people that are uh you know already way more popular than us um which it you know means a lot motivates us um you know and they told us they wanted more people like us you know out there to whatever you want to call it humanizing the badge um being more conversational uh, and that's how we're going to keep um, keep this podcast, no matter like who we're talking to. Uh, when I sat down with uh, Thomas and Brewer, that was that was just at his house after we were <laughs> training with some of the guys all day. Um, so now we're going to get into some of the questions I had from some of their viewers. Some of them are friends. Uh, we're getting different different perspectives from, so we have people that are law enforcement, they were never military, military that were never law enforcement, um, people that were firefighters that were never in law enforcement, just all the different combinations. Um, you know, you don't know, just because you were a high speed guy in one doesn't mean you're gonna be a high speed guy in another or have the knowledge of it. Um, in uh, in the class that I helped with with Valkyrie Sunday, we had a pretty pretty high speed guy from the eighty second that uh, that Thomas had worked with, and I had to kind of dumb stuff down for him. Uh, you know, coming from a law enforcement perspective, and you know you can't go you can't go as hard in the paint in domestic law enforcement as you can. When you're in the sandbox, right? Uh, so I had to break down that for him, and we'll just get into all the perspectives of some of these. So, first question: This has to do with kind of the the company, and this uh, this wording is not it's not from me, so I don't really agree with some of the questions, but I'll kind of explain how it's not what some people might think it is. So first question, 
how is it starting and running a quote unquote brovet company in a already saturated market? So that's not a, and, and Bobby already read over these and I've already, I've had these questions for a while. Um, Bobby first, like knee jerk reaction to that. Like, what would you, what would be like, I don't know, you're from the hip response. And then we can probably get into it a little deeper than that. Cause that's not what we are. And that wasn't the intention. That's part, that's part of it because I mean, we are what we are, right? Like we say bro too much. <clears throat> yeah. We like having a beer with the boys <laughs> here and there. And that's I think a part of it, but that's not, the main focus of the company and I think any company like that has already you know they're already established and and do what they do well I think no matter what you get thrown into it just based off of what what we do mm-hmm. um, so yeah you get you kind you get categorized into that without even pointing to and it's I mean it's starting out for us obviously it's been a lot slower than we wanted it to do, but we've also been very spread to the wind between all three of us, mm-hmm. very busy. Um, the saturation of everything out there is, I guess it does have its own challenges, but everybody offers something different. So it's, I don't know if it's saturated to a point where you can't make it happen. I don't think it. I don't think it is saturated like it because I think of it as just veteran owned business just because and that can be any type of company. I mean, you can be a an insurance company that's owned by a veteran. So are they are they a bro vet? I mean, there's quote unquote people that would fall into brovet that sell insurance well or somebody, not, that's, or somebody that's a brovet that's i don't know like a doctor now or well, i think one of the things that we aren't that would make you an actual brovet type company is we're not out there selling t-shirts like run style or yeah like it's not just playing logo on stereo- merch. yeah we're not playing on all the just stereotypes of everything and making you know, T-shirts and stickers that say, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, some smart ass. Yeah. You know, like some of those cringy ass. Yeah, there's some cringy T-shirts stuff that like there. Grunt Style has, or yeah, you know, it, the, the dumb stuff. Yeah. Not saying there's anything wrong with it, but yeah. But I mean, even then, just... like those. I mean, you make fun of those companies for being quote unquote brovet, but those companies are still doing really good things, like. Some of the ones that are close to us, uh, I know like Nine Line and then um, Black Rifle has a relationship with them in Savannah and, um, you know, they're still doing good things like for the community. They're not, uh, if, yeah. you, if you didn't serve, fuck you and uh, me and <laughs> me and Matt had a run in with <laughs> some of those kind of guys. <laughs> another night after I recorded with him. Um, they're always there. Yeah. They're always and it's like you live in you live in a place like Columbia right outside of Fort Jackson. You're going to run. Yeah. You're going to run into it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would agree with like certain aspects of it are going to be a little 
a brovet, but that wasn't even the intention, and I don't think that's the direction we're going with it, like, full-time. Um, because, like, lo the logo merch, it's easy, but it's, it's, it's hard to deliver. Because if you don't have, if you're not big on YouTube or you didn't start big on YouTube or, you know, I mean, you don't even have to name names to think of, of some of that stuff. Like you're not going to get like a big following. Like I am not a famous person and you are not a famous person and Kyle is not a famous person. And none of them start out of the gate famous, but we're probably not going to do anything to get super fucking big anyway. I mean, if it happens, it happens, but that's not that's not my goal like yeah my goal is just to it's the same as you know me still being in law enforcement in the current environment is just to fucking help people and educate people so yeah, I we can have do that from, we have our goals and we obviously didn't start this with the goal of selling just selling merchandise yeah no it, it there was I mean, we more, got we more got substance, this. more substances behind it than just. Yeah, we got cool we got into this stuff. to do what we said we're going to do and to train individuals, hopefully, mm -hmm. to help them out in their career field or and or yeah. the civilian world. Um, so yeah, I mean, the only thing that's going to sell our stuff at the moment is the fact that we have a, I would say, a fairly clean logo and the people that know us um and getting the word out and everything else about maybe in the future of yeah we can we're actually decent enough at what we do and you're like yeah right. man i want to i want to rock your stuff and let people know about you yeah um i mean we we haven't spent clearly a lot of time trying to pump out merchandise well and we haven't like gone and taken out a loan anything like that like this is just yeah we don't have anything we don't is... have a boxes of stock sitting around mm -mm. because we were able to no buy a whole bunch of stuff yeah um which is it is what it is i'm not not upset about it i wish i could and maybe that would you know force us to, to I mean, it would definitely help us grow but i'm not i want it to be as organic as possible and who the fuck likes loans anyway? Um, not this guy. <laughs> yeah, being all three of us with students still with current student not loans from guy. Carolina. That yeah. you know, if I had gone and been a teacher, all my student loans would already be gone. We're not going to talk about that. That rent, that We're rent, that rent there. will come out eventually, yeah, no matter how yeah, you feel probably. about it. <laughs> it probably will. Um, so I think kind of my counterbalance to we're not really in a saturated market and we are not exclusively Brovet. And I think a Brovet is like the t-shirt company joke. Yeah. As you get out and start a t-shirt company. Um, to, to kind of counter that was we are wanting to help people and educate people. And I think podcasting has given us that avenue that we haven't really been able to deliver on, you know, getting um, concealed weapons instructor certs or um, maybe putting 
some of your more serious knowledge like on paper and creating classes that way um, and there's even like little med courses out there that you can get certified in like um, through the Red Cross and all that which um, I mean, we might dabble into it. We might not. Um, might we? We might team up with Valkyrie and and kind of pair up on a few things. Yeah, it'd be great. What we can have an offer that they don't already have. I wish there was a lot of things that that I know that I could talk about on a podcast and, and educate people. But it's one of those things that I can't do per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to be able to sit down in a brick and mortar classroom somewhere. Yeah, and actually, you know talk about some stuff and educate some guys on a lot of things, which I get to do through my job now. Um, but obviously that's not on the private side of things. That's, yeah. not, that's not us doing that. Um, and a lot of people don't know, know about us. So the teaching that I do now is very, it doesn't happen that much, yeah. um, which kind of sucks because when it's super specific, yeah, super specific. And I mean, I got a lot of great knowledge to give guys, and to be able to help them out with a lot of things that, that really the question doesn't ever come up until you're in that situation. Yeah. Um, but I, I, w- I would like to at some point in time get to where we are able and I'm, I'm able to teach what I know to people. Yeah. No, and that's still a goal for us to get legitimate classroom and practical application courses to go with some of our knowledge we have and Maybe even stuff we can't talk about that on the podcast would be more specialized for actually like, hey, this is going to be a law enforcement only class. Yeah. Um, very specialized law enforcement at that. Um, so to kind of wrap up how we are countering the brovet stereotype, um, I mean, I can't help that that I'm a 30-year-old veteran that, you know, has a Jeep and we got tattoos and cool dogs and we, when we like black rifle, like, sorry. <laughs> like it's, uh, I mean, I'm not going to apologize for that. Um, but to counter that has been kind of our diverse and balanced approach. I mean, from the very beginning, um, you can see it in our posts. You can see it even within the posts, like with some of the hashtags and people that I tag, you know, we'll have medical companies, we'll have training facilities, we'll have gun companies. Um, and there, are there some strictly quote unquote bro vet companies in that mix? Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But all of these companies, be it gun related, med, preparedness, even some of the meme pages, which we've dabbled in <laughs> too, <Yep>. which <laughs> it's just such a. We're, we're in the age of the meme. Um, and then connecting all of that with service and the hardships of service and, you know, maybe getting into the, the, the personal side, the personal struggles of all that. I think that's how that counters that. And that's how we're not that stereotype. And it's not a saturated market because what is, so is the brovet market, is that a market all on its own or like, People that you're considering brovet, there's maybe it's in the same space. Like, hey, we all like guns, we all like coffee, we all like hot girls with <laughs> with guns. Um, no, I think it's. I mean, that's 
I mean, I, I've liked or been in that space. I really don't for a while, so I don't have a problem with it. Well, that I really don't care too much about it or where where we're placed. Like, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? We're trying to, you know, our end game is to offer a service that a lot of, you know, these bro vets don't offer. Mm-hmm. Like, all these, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I don't really necessarily know where people think that if that's what they're calling us, like, where we're going to go or what we're trying to do, our actual goal. And I think we've laid it out pretty I think well. I think it's deep. I just think it's deeper than that. In in one part of it that a lot of people don't really think of is, um, I mean, you can be a veteran or bro vet in any job or career. So does that make it, like I said, like it could be insurance, being a doctor, maybe you are selling apparel, but if you're making a living and a difference and... Um, you know, say there's, I, I know for us, kind of two aspects we're going to be diving into a lot is like community outreach. And that's going to go into kind of the next next question I got. Um, I mean, community outreach is in, you know, I'm going to be sitting down with some of the owners of uh, Sand Hills shooting uh, here in the Midlands. Um, we already talked to Valkyrie. I mean, we have a relationship with One Nation Coffee down in Somerville, and they're and they're blowing up now. They just opened their first storefront, um, and I drink their coffee like every day. <laughs> we drink their coffee yeah. every day, um, and they do stuff in the community all the time. Uh, I, I think they're big. Um, they work with When Life Sucks, WLS. Doing doing positive positive things with their brovet company, um, and then also, you know, the saying "humanizing the badge," but I think that also goes along with humanizing service. And we're gonna have a that podcast. I'm gonna have a podcast on that. Um, Maybe we can have John back in, and we can kind of do a roundtable on that once we figure out this mic situation for more than <laughs> for more than two people. Because um, I know the sound was not good um, with John, but whatever, we're experimenting, so that's what's going to happen. But yeah, humanizing the badge and service um, because, and we're going to have a whole podcast on this. Everybody in public service. Um, and that's the first response world along with working within the DOD. It's the same like families, generation after generation. Like it's the same, I mean, I don't know what it is. I'm just throwing them. It's the same like 5% all the time. Uh, so hopefully people that get into public service that people in this country that serve, that number needs to go up. It needs to go up. For a lot of for a lot of reasons, I don't necessarily see that happening. But um, yeah, but yeah, like one of the so what I like that we've done so far with with starting this podcast and what we've done so far with 
mainline our Instagram page. We don't, you know, we we share the same things that we post on our Instagram to Facebook. So I don't really count Facebook. Um, is to be able to put out accurate, reliable, good information slash advice, make people laugh a little bit, uh, share our experiences, share equipment that we've used, um, to be able to educate people on you know cool things that they can go out and try and use. And I think that that's probably one of the things that a lot of companies don't do. And it's just strictly for, for education, and that's what we want to do with our business as well, is educate people, train people, and make a difference. Not to just sell crazy t-shirts with George Rocking on the front with a set of nods. <laughs> which, which I do still, like. Don't get me still wrong. Fun. Yeah, which are I mean, still I, fun. Do, I do love it, but which are f- that's, we not, could a, probably, that's uh, not exactly what we're... I do want to preview that one though. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's got kind of like a you know that retro it's Miami good, yeah. Vice I vibe mean, to it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff that we have out there that we haven't put yeah. on a piece of fabric that does, or you know, on a decal that does look cool. Yeah, but we do have ideas and some funny stuff. Yeah, kind of the and I kind of think the like the brovet stereotype that everybody thinks of in a business like that's going to be like kind of the after yeah fact like i want people to i want people to like the podcast i want people to like what we're saying i want i want it to get to people that aren't that maybe aren't first responders but listen to us and maybe understand it a little bit more and then like hey cool that's cool let's rep some of their shit and yeah. then not it's like Brovet, second, third, fourth down the list, not top of the list. Yeah. Next direction we're going to go from that, and hopefully this develops in the way that I want it to. I think it will. How do we bridge the pro 2A and anti 2A gap? And that one I don't really have. I don't have a written out answer for this. I had some notes on the last one. I don't have no. I don't have notes on this one. Um. So, man, it's such a dense, such a dense question. And I know for us, for me. Bobby, everybody that y'all have heard from so far. So our values for the Second Amendment come, obviously, straight from the Constitution. And it's, you know, literally one sentence and a lot of... um, Simple, I'm going to say simple-minded, pro-2A people, you know, they just yell, shall not infringe, shall not infringe, and it's just, it's very shallow. Um, but then also, people that are anti-2A, which, which I have not dealt with a lot of anti 2A people or policies or laws because I've been in the South my whole life 
and South Carolina, like 25 out of my 30 years on earth. And I've been in a career field and around people that are pro 2A. So in, a, in, in the Second Amendment sense, I've kind of been, I've kind of been in a bubble, um, me personally, uh, and I know Bobby and Kyle have too, coming from uh, more like outdoorsmen and in a hunting background. So I think people that are pro 2A and even people that are anti 2A both need to educate themselves more and understand each side more because both sides are not educated on the topic very much and most anti-2A people don't know a lot of the Constitution. They don't know, I know my rights. They don't. Most of them don't. Um, you know, being somebody that works on the street and deals with people that say that every single day, but then they can't even tell you what the Bill of Rights are or go through the amendments or, or anything. Um, so that comes down to people educating themselves and at least listening to the other side of an argument. In law enforcement, I have to, you know, there's two sides to a story, right? I got to listen to both sides and then make a decision. And I don't think that applies to just law enforcement. I think it applies to the Second Amendment and a bunch of other stuff in life too. So that comes back to the CTG mission or part of our mission and even part of uh, Valkyrie's mission and other you know similar like-minded companies um, that we want to educate people. We're educating them on the podcast. If we say something that's fucked up, we're going to fix it. We're going to correct it. We'll get somebody on here that knows more than us, which we will be doing shortly. Um, because as, you know, Second Amendment enthusiasts growing up and then getting into law enforcement, we're going to have just implied bias, basically. Um, but people need to take responsibility for educating themselves also like we are living in the age of you know the age of the iPhone and having this little computer in your pocket that has more computing power than all the Apollo missions <laughs> so why aren't we why are we getting dumber and not smarter in in every single way. Um, so to bring that back around to bridging a gap is both sides need to educate themselves and then 
it's called compromise and they need to meet in the middle somewhere because there's so many groups that think that guns are bad and guns kill people when and I don't even have to have the exact numbers and facts in front of me but firearms are way down the list in terms of how humans kill other humans um you know, I believe hammer and, you know, a blunt object or hands, personal weapons, kill more people than guns. Um, but then also on the Pro 2A, you just can't keep screaming, do not infringe, do not infringe. I think to kind of wrap up, wrap up this second question... And so much of the stuff we consume now is on memes, and you got to fact check all that. Um, is if everybody that wrote the Constitution, all the founding fathers, cannot, could not look into the future and what the future could hold. So in terms of the First Amendment, the, I mean, back then there was just newspapers that couldn't even be <laughs> printed in large numbers yet. So much stuff was written still by hand. Um, so does the First Amendment just apply to what I can say coming out of my mouth and what I can write and maybe put on a, on a typewriter or a printing press? So does the First Amendment not protect your free speech on a cell phone or a radio or on Facebook or on a podcast? No. All of those are protected under the First Amendment. And that's modern free speech. So then why aren't modern firearms included in the Second Amendment because George Washington didn't have you know an AR-15 with a with a 30 round clip or all this improper verbiage that most anti-gun people use it's a 30 round magazine it's not a clip that's something completely different um, so I think for me personally it comes down to the Constitution, reading the Constitution, and trying to apply that to today's issues because the Founding Fathers could not see that, but we are smart enough now and capable enough now to kind of go through the weeds, go through the weeds and figure it out now instead of completely being pro-gun or, you know, 100% pro-gun or 100% uh, anti-gun, excuse me. Um, So again, I think it all comes down to reading the Constitution. That solves a lot of the problems we're having now, and that should be the Constitution is America's core values.
All right, guys. Uh, third question. I think I think I'm gonna kind of put all these together because it all they all kind of run together. These this next question and group of questions is gonna dive specifically into policing in the current state of policing. Um, hopefully, y'all will see the connections if I tie this together correctly. So how do we address no one understanding policing, uh, especially people that have no concept of the job or experience in the job or even anything similar to the job that we deal with on the street on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, I think tying into that is perhaps a little bit of a culture gap. Uh, again, being in and from South Carolina most of my life, um, but I've been in minority heavy jurisdictions. I've been in, you know, where everybody's white. Um, and then within a county, you get a little bit of everything, which I like. Because um, you don't want to be the same type of police officer all the time because of different situa certain situations and the type of person you're dealing with. Um, you got to kind of handle it different. Um, so I'm not at least here in South Carolina, the, the, the culture aspect of it isn't necessarily there because I've, I said, like I said, worked in minority uh, communities and have worked with uh, black officers, Hispanic officers, um, had bosses, uh, even now have, you know, people above me that aren't white. Um, but I think for me personally, that's a, that's a, it's no factor because that's just who I've, I've always worked with and lived around a diverse crowd. Um, and that's just the way it, it, it kind of worked out. And there's a lot of people out there that just haven't had a diverse lifestyle. Um, and I think more people should. And that can solve a lot of the problems we have now in society as a whole, and then more specifically in policing. So this also comes back around to the same families and percentage of the population being in public service, be it as, as a first responder or even in the military. There's not a lot of people that do the job. There's a lot of counties across the South where you have 400 square miles, 500 square miles, 700 square miles, and it's covered by two to seven deputies, you know, especially on a night shift. Um, so there's just not a lot of people doing the job, so less people are going to understand it, opposed to you know, how many people out there do you know that have worked in food and bev, you know, have been a waitress, have worked in retail, 
like damn near everybody that's almost like the standard when you're growing up it's like oh when you're in high school where the hell are you gonna work you're gonna you're gonna go work at IGA or Food Lion or, or or be a waitress somewhere so I think it has to do with getting perhaps more people in the career field um, which I know is it's getting harder and harder to do because I mean I've even spoken to people that don't want to deal with the troublemakers within their own community. They're like, man, I would never do that. And then they're talking about their neighbors or their cousins or, you know, ex-boyfriends, families, and all this shit. Um, so I don't... Next part of this question is, and I, and the way it was worded kind of ties it into the culture gap, and I don't, I don't see that, so I'm not going to address it like that. Um, I'm sure it is like that in some places, but in my personal experience in South Carolina, that's not what I've experienced. And if I have not experienced it, that's not what I'm going to talk on. Um, we're going to get into people telling you how to do your job. And I just don't, I let that kind of roll off my back um, because I think there are legitimate complaints from the community, from people that haven't done our job, but you're not going to tell me how to do it. Um, because like I've said in prior episodes, um, in the realm of first response, and more specifically in policing, this is the most educated and trained batch of individuals probably of all time. Um, I've been through a multi-month boot camp. I've been through a multi-month police academy. I have been on the road in white communities, black communities, municipalities, counties. Um, I keep in contact with all of my friends in different part of the state and hear about their experiences and why they made career decisions. Um, So you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt when somebody in the public tells you how to do your job because there's so many... There's so many parts of the institution that is law enforcement that hold you accountable. We have to get recertified in different aspects of the job all the time. Most recently I did my DUI recertification. Um, within your department, we have different standards of, hey, you got to qualify with your firearm every year, twice a year, once a quarter. Unfortunately, a lot of that training depends on on the budget. Like, did y'all bust the budget? Did y'all have to buy an extra car this year? Um, did you have to pay <clears throat> too much overtime that came out of, you know, kind of a slush fund for the county or the city? Um, so I think more people need to be in policing or expose themselves to it. There's, uh, explorer programs. If anybody's familiar with that, where it's kind of like, I kind of describe it as law enforcement boy scouts where young men and women, uh, under 21 can come and shadow different people in different aspects of the sheriff's office. And I know a ton of people have this. 
Um, they have it in firefighting. I'm pretty sure they have it in EMS. Just look up, uh, you know, in your local area or your county, and I'm sure there's something you can find to help educate yourself. I guarantee it. Um, we also shared on our IG recently where the uh, city of Charleston did a uh, Citizens Academy, which usually that's ran by, you know, their uh, their training and their public affairs department, um, which of course that's the biggest agency in the state. So they they can do so much stuff, man. It, it, it's really incredible what they do down there in Charleston. Sometimes, uh, do I agree with their politics and stuff down there all the time? No, but I have friends down there, and they do they do a lot of good things, and they and they have to be in such a, a by South Carolina standards, such a large city and a growing city. And, you know, they're not dealing with just South Carolinians that might be familiar with how, you know, quote unquote, how we do things. Um, so it's the, the, the way you police down there has to be very, very, very diverse. But they had a, they had a Citizens Academy program where they run them through, you know, give them a little taste of what we, uh, you know, what we get trained in, what we deal with on a daily basis, doing traffic stop, dealing with weapons, use of force. Um, I know my first sheriff's department that I worked for did a, a similar, it wasn't like a full-blown program, but they invited um, people from the local media in the Midlands area and kind of exposed them to, you know, just some... Uh, some stress inoculation training, as we like to say, and they all failed miserably. The uh, you know shoot no shoot scenarios, and it kind of opened their eyes. And I think more people need to open their eyes and get some exposure to that. Um, like I said, that can be done through you know job shadowing, citizens uh, citizens academies, um, ride alongs, which COVID and all the lockdowns have slowed a lot of that outreach down considerably, but it's all it's all churning back up. So I just think exposure, um, that that academy outreach, the citizen outreach. Um, I know a lot of departments are having. They'll have like public affairs officers. Um, they'll have people running. Their, their Facebook pages and showing what we're doing in the schools, how we're helping people out in the community. And that community outreach is really what's going to make the difference um, because trying to explain how we do our job from some of the unfortunate incidences that have been going on the last couple years and some of the trials that have been going on, trying to trying to backpedal from such a stressful such a stressful situation on so many levels and for so many people it's that education and trust needs to be established way before something that traumatizing happens um, so I kind of tied those together from what what was sent to us um, Last question, where's the legitimate criticism of police and policing? <sighs> Let me think for a second. Because I like to answer these off the hip so you get a 
authentic answer and not a written out textbook answer because that's just not that's not real life and that's not what we deal with on a daily basis either being in policing um so legitimate criticism again my criticism is going to come from being living and working in that world for about five years now um within policing we need to police our own if somebody's doing fucked up doing something fucked up uh you know call them out in what capacity you call them out do you kind of call them out in front of the public or in front of a supervisor maybe you need to you know criticize in in private and and praise in public type approach um so we've said it once and we'll say it again nobody hates a bad officer more than a good officer um, because as much good as we try to do every single day all over the county all over the state and in all over the country with the different aspects of policing that people deal with just one one bad apple that gets on CNN and somebody records something on their phone that just it puts a black eye on everybody regardless of all the good that I might be doing on a daily basis or some of my coworkers might be doing on a daily basis or what we posted on Facebook the other day it can all be washed away with one bad fuck up um, so kind of calling out our own and policing our own is one aspect of that another aspect of it is one that I'm definitely passionate about not that the first one isn't but I really like training I enjoy training I like stress inoculation I like um, I like playing what if within a practical application scenario not you sitting in a classroom and, oh well what if this and what if that and like man in law enforcement and just law in general you can what if all day and it just it needs to be constructive not just you what ifing and what ifing and what ifing all day um, it happened in the academy it happens on the street it happens in the marine corps just make sure it's constructive um, so we need continuous training if that's inside our department if it's you individually if it's you and your squad or you know you and your partner there always needs to be some type of training going on um, it can be something pretty simple like going to the gym going for a run eating right all that keeps all of that can keep your mind in your body right that can help you from making mistakes down the road or getting hemmed up you know down the road because when you're tired you start making mistakes if you don't practice you start making mistakes um, a little deeper training um, is usually stuff you gotta do within your department because you have to work 
you have to practice with who you play with and who you're playing with is you know your squad or who your your shift or who works this side of the river and that side of the river with you um you know practice traffic stops practice wild domestics practice hey if somebody has a, has a gun somebody has a knife certain situations if there's if there's a child involved you got to practice all this um and i think at the academy here in south carolina they do they do a good job of getting you those practice reps some of them you know you <laughs> there's you'll have some instructors that kind of go over the top you know and you'll have like five handcuff keys on him and he's just 100% dick all the way and I think from a training from a training perspective um, and at the time when I saw it I couldn't really chalk it up exactly for what it was but then after I, I went to security and became an instructor um, on that end and as I became a, a marksmanship instructor within the Marine Corps I've kind of backpedaled and reassessed some of these academies and schools that I've gone to and have been like, hey man, like that's fucked up. That's not helping us be better officers on the road um, and being you know, proficient with our team and with the public. Um, with that training, I think there always needs to be like a, a good established baseline because there is no such thing as a uh, you know, a normal traffic stop or a routine traffic stop or a routine uh, domestic violence call or, or, or even, a, even a welfare check. Because, I mean, we've been seeing recently where somebody will go to somebody's home and do a welfare check and all of a sudden they're catching rounds through the door. Did anybody train for that or what if for that? Who knows? Some of them have, some of them haven't. And, uh, and it's not hard to get on YouTube or Instagram and look up videos where the officer has done 100% the right thing and it's, you know, just absolutely just winging it and relying off your lowest level of training. Um, but a lot of these people aren't even, aren't even getting that. There was times, and everybody has this story, if they've gone to the range enough, where they go to the range and do your, you know, yearly, bi-yearly qual, and there's always that one officer that they're like, man, I haven't pulled this out of the holster since the last time we qualified. It's like, what? I'm not saying you need to be pulling the, <laughs> the gun on people on the street, but you need to be <laughs> training and maintaining that weapon and maintaining your gear. You know, I've seen people, you know, whip out their weapons during qual or weapons turning and stuff, and it's got lint on the inside of the gun <laughs> inside the barrel in inside the the trigger mechanism and that's unacceptable um so i think those are kind of the top two i i, I like those top two and i the, the rest of it would be really really getting into the weeds um so legitimate criticism is we need to police our own within and we need better training within and then that will lower some of those complaints and mistakes from the public which is our customers right a lot of people don't 
think of it that way. And sometimes I joke around and say our clientele and, but coming, you know, as a young man coming up from a, from a retail background, like going through high school and college, um, not to say the, the customer is always right, which I do not believe, but we definitely need to do everything we can for the public, AKA our customers. Um, well, that's really all the, the questions I wanted to go through today. Um, hope you all kind of, you like this episode, it kind of slowed down. It's not as exciting as um, sitting down with the guys from Valkyrie or hearing some funny stories in interview style, but sometimes we just got to get you caught up on what we're doing, where we're going, and then some of the some of the current events and given kind of our our perspective on things and educating some people and kind of you know humanizing the badge and humanizing um, service, which I think we don't have enough of. Um, if you like everything you heard, make sure to like, share, review, subscribe all of our material. Um, that'll help us get the word out. Um, we've had great reviews from from people that are way more uh, popular, famous, whatever, however you want to put it. Um, they like what we're doing. We're going to keep on doing it. Um, just make sure to, you know, tell us what you like and don't like, because this is this is just pretty wide open, and I'm and I'm down for it to be wide open and diverse. Um, but sometimes we need a little bit of direction of, you know, maybe certain current events you want some input on, um, some specific questions to the Marine Corps, to policing, to firefighting. Um, you can send us those questions on IG. That's kind of the, the gram is our number one platform. Um, again, I like the way we're going. I like who's sharing our stuff. All the numbers are going up. Um, and let's keep it going up. Thanks, guys.